welcome to the Sports Town Podcast, or the STP Pod for short. No politics, no drama, no arguing. Just two guys talking sports. I'm your host, JJ Peters. And today on the STP Pod, we'll talk about day one of the Masters, Thursday night football highlights, the Thunder promote former assistant coach Mark Denault to head coach, and much more. But before we talk about our first topic, we're going to discuss our poll question, which you can vote on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't forget to do that. And the question was, who do you like better to win the Masters, Bryson DeChambeau or Dustin Johnson? And currently, Bryson DeChambeau is running away with it. Okay, so the first thing we'll talk about today is the OKC Thunder promote Mark Denault as their new head coach. Denault replaces Billy Donovan, who left the Thunder to take the Chicago Bulls head coaching job after the season was over. The 35-year-old Denault was the head coach for the G League team with the Oklahoma City Blue from 2014 to 2019. Last season, he became the lead assistant to Donovan. Denault has been coaching basketball since 2003 as a student manager with Connecticut. In 2007, he left UConn to become an assistant at Holy Cross. In 2010, then he left to Holy Cross to Florida, where he joined Donovan until 2014. After being with Florida, he left and became the head coach for the Oklahoma City Blue, the G League team, the Thunder. Many analysts have said that Denault has a good relationship with both the players and the organization. He will have a very tough job in his hand, though, as the Thunder will likely be rebuilding this season. Despite making the playoffs last year and taking the Rockets to seven games in the bubble, many have said that the GM for OKC, Sam Presti, is giving Denault a chance to give the team a rebuild. Most likely, veteran guard Chris Paul, who they got from the Russell Westbrook trade, will no longer be with OKC when next season starts on December 20th. Uh, my thoughts are a little shocked that Denault got the job. I thought another assistant coach was going to get the job, but I didn't know if Denault was the, I didn't really know much about Denault to be honestly, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought Jason Kidd or another top assistant was the lead candidate, but obviously they wanted to go in house. So um, we'll see what Denault does. This could be like uh, what the Sixers did with Brent Brown, where they were rebuilding and then they were going to get rid of him. And then found out that he was a pretty good coach. They kept him. Of course, they eventually parted ways, but I kind of see that happening here. I mean, maybe the Thunder are better than what they're supposed to be. Uh, the Thunder did everything last year to tank and they were really good. So uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm a little shocked by the hiring because I didn't know too much about Mark Denault, kind of similar to what the uh, Pacers did by hiring the Raptors assistant coach. All right, who is this the right hire for the Thunder? I think if they're rebuilding, yes. Um, Denault hasn't really had any experience as a head coach in the NBA, so I think this is a good rebuilding coach. This is kind of similar to what the uh, Bulls did with Fred Hoiberg. They hired him for a few years, gave him a pretty decent-sized contract too, and then said after a few years, you know what, we're gonna uh, we're gonna let you go. Of course, the Bulls are still not out of their tank mode, but that's kind of what the Thunder I think are doing. But yes, if they're trying to rebuild, then I believe that Mark hiring Mike, De, Mike, Mark Denault is the right direction. Um, if they're not trying to tank, which I don't think they are, I think they are trying to tank, um, then I don't think it's the right hire. But again, we'll see what Mark Denault does. He's got some good players like Shea Gildas-Alexander. Steven Adams isn't bad. I don't think Danilio Gallinari will stay. But again, they have a lot of cap room, have a lot of draft picks. So we'll see what the Thunder do in the next few years and see if Mark Denault is still the coach for the Thunder. Um. Will OKC rebuild or reload this offseason? I think it's pretty obviously they will try to rebuild. Uh, first, they have to find a taker for Chris Paul, which could be hard because he's owed $41 million this offseason. Not a lot of people are going to want that for an aging point guard. I mean, the Knicks have shown interest. They, um, I believe there's a few other teams, but the Thunder 
on the Thunder. The Knicks are really interested in Chris Paul. Uh, they also have shown interest in Russell Westbrook, which is another another topic for today. But uh, they got to figure out a way to trade Chris Paul. But I do believe they're going to rebuild this offseason. And uh, I'm not exactly sure where Chris Paul fits, but I feel like he's going to try to get his hand to the Lakers. Now, he's going to have to take a massive pay cut for that to happen. So maybe he doesn't go to the Lakers. But it seems like a team uh, that needs rebuilding, like the Suns have had interest in trading, um, not re- not a team that's in rebuilding, a team that is young and is going to be good in a few years and just get a uh, veteran presence like Chris Paul. That's why I think the Suns have shown interest. And that wouldn't be a bad hire. I mean, it uh, wouldn't be a bad trade. I mean, you have Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, two young superstars. That'd probably be a good, pretty good mix. I don't know how it worked, but it seems like on paper it'd be solid. And they could finally get the playoffs. As you know, last year they went to the bubble, went, won every game, and still didn't make the postseason. So the th- Suns are definitely getting there. And I think if they add Chris Paul, it's a better option than if the Knicks added uh, CP3. Um, some action highlights. Uh, the Mac return for week number two this week. Most games are played on Tuesday and Wednesday on ESPN, ESPN2, and CBS Sports Network. On Wednesday, Eastern Michigan played Ball State, Toledo versus Western Michigan, and Central Michigan took on Northern Illinois. Some other games on Tuesday, Ohio played Akron, Kent State versus Bowling Green, and Miami, Ohio versus Buffalo. I will give you my take on week two of the action. Well, my first thoughts are uh, the Western Michigan game and Toledo was a awesome game. I mean... I really thought Toledo was going to win that. They were up by double digits. Toledo comes back, uh, gets the onside kick after missing their extra point, uh, goes out, fakes the spikes and scores the uh, winning touchdown with 17 seconds left. Again, if you guys haven't watched any of the Mac lately, you got to go watch it. I mean, to me, it's more entertaining than the Pac-12 is, which is sad. But the Mac is a very good conference. They don't have, you know, a super. They don't have a a, a, a legitimate team now. Buffalo's not bad. Western Michigan's not bad. But uh, in my opinion, the Mac is very fun to watch. It's yes, it's on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, which is weird to have football on those days. But in my opinion, it's it's a lot better than uh, the Pac-12. So if you guys haven't watched the Mac, uh, you have to watch it on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, what game was most exciting for you on Wednesday night? Well, other than the Western Michigan and the Toledo game, I watched a little bit of the Eastern Michigan Ball State game. Um, that was all right. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't really think about there were I didn't really think there was any other good games, but that Toledo and Western Michigan, man, that was that was for the ages. Um, again, one of the most exciting Mac games I've ever watched. The most exciting college football game I've watched in a very long time. But Miami, Ohio versus Buffalo kind of intrigued me. But uh, yeah, the Western Michigan Toledo game was the the game of the week for the Mac. And then um who is the best team in the MAC currently? Well, I think Buffalo is. Uh, usually Northern Illinois or Kent State is, but it seems like those teams aren't what they used to be or what they are this year. So I would say Buffalo and Western Michigan. Don't sleep on Toledo. They just had a heartbreaking loss to the Broncos. But in my opinion right now, Buffalo and Western Michigan are the teams to beat in the MAC. Uh, now let's get some Thursday night football highlights. Um, Thursday night football was played in Nashville, Tennessee. The battle for the AFC South began as the Indianapolis Colts took on the rival, the Tennessee Titans. The Titans were the favorite coming into the game, and the Colts were on a bit of a losing streak. Tennessee struck early as they scored on the first possession as Ryan Tannehill found Deontay Foreman for a five-yard TD pass. 
Later in the quarter, on the second possession, the Colts were able to get three points on the board. Later in the half, Indy was able to tie the game with the Phillip Rivers touchdown pass. Also, in breaking news, Phillip Rivers was able to pass Dan Marino in the NFL career passing list. He is now fifth in the career passing list of all time. Tennessee was able to score again and make it a 17-13 lead on the Colts at halftime, but the second half was dreadful for Tennessee. They were outscored 21-0 in the second half. The Colts were 3-5 and five on fourth down conversions. One thing that stood out to me, is that, and most fans probably, was special teams was the reason they lost for Tennessee. A shank punt from the new FedEx punter, Trevor Daniel, block punt, and a missed field goal by veteran Steven Gunkowski. The dagger was when backup quarterback Jacoby Brissett, or sorry, Jacoby Brissett had a two-yard rush that extended Indy's lead. Final score: Colts 34, the Titans 17. Philip Rivers finished the game with 308 passing yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Niem Hines rushed for 70 yards and one touchdown. Rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman had 101 yards receiving with seven receptions. Tannehill was 15 of 27 for 147 yards and one TD. Derrick Henry had 103 yards rushing on 19 attempts, and Corey Davis, the former fifth overall pick back in the 2017 NFL Draft, had 67 yards receiving. Houston, we have a problem. Rockets guard Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston, according to Sham Sharona of The Athletic and Stadium. Kevin Connor of The Ringer also confirmed that Westbrook wanted out of Houston as well. The Rockets are currently in a very sticky situation, to say the least. Daryl Moore, the president of the and the GM of the team, stepped down a month ago and immediately took the Sixers' job. The Rockets then replaced him with assistant to Daryl Morey, Raphael Stone. Mike D'Antoni also did not resign with the team as the head coach. They instead hired Paul Silas, who was an assistant with the Mavericks, to replace the coach of the year in 2016-2017. According to multiple sources, both James Harden and Russell Westbrook wanted to have more of a say with the head coach and GM positions. They were fine with the hire of Silas, but both of them wanted the team to reach out to them before they hired Raphael Stone as Daryl Morey's replacement. Even James Harden, the franchise's star player, has questions on the Rockets' future. He says he wants to stay with the Rockets, but if things don't work well and they want to blow things up, then the Bro- he said that he would mind, he wouldn't mind getting traded to three destinations that include the Brooklyn Nets. Reported by multiple sources, the Knicks and Clippers have shown a lot of interest in Russell Westbrook. Uh, my thoughts are hey, that's not good news for Houston. It's not a good look for either James Harden or Russell Westbrook. I know James Harden wants to stay with them, but he was the one that wanted Russell Westbrook and it seemed like it didn't work. It kind of worked in the regular season, but when they got to the postseason, it, it just didn't work out. And you could just tell they were not in sync. And of course, Russell Westbrook was injured most of the late this season. And a lot of the postseason he was out too. So, uh, and maybe Russell Westbrook just can't succeed as a player in the postseason. Maybe he just needs to con- continuing uh, getting triple doubles, making the playoffs and just getting exited in the first round and kind of being his own superstar. Because in Houston, he had to share with James Harden. It was James Harden's team, even though Russell Westbrook had the better stats. So uh, it's not a good look. Um, it doesn't seem like Russell Westbrook is going to, um, is going to ever win a ring. Unfortunately, he's a very good point guard, one of the top in the league. I think he's just as good as Steph Curry when he's healthy, but when he's owed what 33 million a year and his shooting is not the same, he's definitely not the player he was when he won the MVP a few seasons ago. So it's kind of, it's kind of sad too, because Russell Westbrook has kind of fallen off a little arc. Uh, yeah. Russell Westbrook has kind of fallen off a little bit, uh, not a good look. And the one thing that kind of 
question I had was why would the Knicks be interested in Russell Westbrook? I know they're, they've shown interest in Chris Paul, and it seems like they like older veterans and say, hey, that's a perfect time to sign him. I think, uh, was it, yeah, it was Dan Patrick, um, the host of the Dan Patrick show, was talking about how um, the Knicks don't make any sense, and even though they should probably build through the draft and build their future for later, um, he said that they always want to go for the aging superstars and say, oh, that's a great idea because we'll attract, we'll attract fans. Well, first of all, you're not going to have fans this year. And second of all, most of your fans are already loyal, depending on who's playing for your team. But even if you wanted to attract new fans, I don't think Chris Paul would attract more fans, especially when he's owed $41 million this year. Russell Westbrook's going to be owed $33 million. Uh, You don't know how many games Russell Westbrook's going to play because it seems like he misses a lot. But uh, that's just my thoughts on the situation right now with the Rockets. Um, but should the Rockets trade Westbrook? Uh, depends what they can get, and I think they should run it one more year. So I guess, no, I don't think they should trade Westbrook. Try to see if it works one more year. If it doesn't, hey, trade him and just blow the whole thing up. But if you find a deal you can't pass up, then, yeah, you can trade him. But I think you should keep Westbrook, try to run it one more year, try to run it again, uh, try to write or basically try to see what you can do in the 2020 slash 2021 or I guess it'd be the 2021 slash 2022 season. But I think the Rockets should keep Westbrook for now and wait to blow it till next year if they don't uh, succeed. Um, if Houston decides to trace, uh, trade Westbrook, who is the taker? Oh, that's such a tough question. I don't think the Clippers have enough assets to trade um, for Russell Westbrook. Um, I think Westbrook will have a say if he wants to go to New York. Oh, that's, that's a tough That's a tough call. Um I mean, maybe he wants to go to Chicago, but they're kind of a train wreck right now, too. Oh, man. I mean, maybe the Suns, but again, he'd have to share the love, so you'd have to go to a team like Chicago. I would just say the Bulls just kind of go out on a limb, but I don't think the Knicks – well, I don't think he'd mind going with the Clippers, but again, he'd have to share the wealth, and he'd have to be contending for a championship, which it seems like that's not his really main goal. He just wants to get the stats up, but, you know – I would just say the Bulls right now the best. I'm not super confident about it, but I'm just saying Chicago because I think he would mind living in the Windy City. Uh, should Houston trade Harden and Westbrook? Again, no. I think they should run it back one more year. I think they have the potential to do something well. Yes, the Western Conference is stacked. See if you can get more help with West, Harden and Westbrook. Maybe don't play the whole small ball thing. Maybe get a center or a athletic four that can play the five as well. Uh, P.J. Tucker is not a center. He's a three or four, but not a five. I think that's what they need to do. Maybe get a bench, uh, see what Paul Silas can do in his first year as the head coach. Uh, switching gears to baseball, the MLB awards for 2020 are in full swing. Um, the On the ninth, the AL and NL Cy Young Award was announced, and Trevor Bauer of the Reds and Shane Bieber of the Indians was named the AL and NL Rookie of the Year. Uh, Shane Bieber was unanimous selection as the American League um uh, Cy Young Award winner of the year, while Trevor Bauer was the first Cincinnati Reds pitcher in their franchise history to be selected as the National Cy Young Award winner. Bauer's stats were, it was about a 1.73 ERA, 100 strikeouts, and a .79 whip. On the other hand, Bieber was 8-1 in the shortened season, a 1.63 ERA, 122 strikeouts, and a .87 whip. On Thursday night, the Baseball Writers Association of America announced the winners of the AL and NL MVP, the granddaddy of them all. Freddie Freeman, the first baseman of the Braves, won his first National League MVP 
MVP. And Jose Abreu, also a first baseman in the White Sox, was named the AL MVP. Freeman is the first player in the Braves franchise to be named MVP since Chipper Jones back in 1989. Freeman's 2020 stats were a 341 batting average, 13 homers, 53 RBIs, and a 1.102 OPS. Freeman helped lead the Braves to the NLCS and was one game away from going to the World Series. They were eventually defeated by the eventual World Series champs, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Switching gears to the American League, Jose Abreu was named the AL MVP. Abreu is now the oldest MVP selected since 1992. Abreu helped lead the White Sox to their first postseason for the first time since 2008. Abreu's stats in 2020 were a 317 batting average, 60 RBIs, 19 homers, and a 9.87 or .987 OPS. Abreu beat out now free agent DJ LeMahieu and Jose Ramirez. 2020 AL Cy Young Award winner Shane Bieber finished fourth in the voting. For the NL MVP, Freddie Freeman beat out Mookie Betts and Manny Machado. Freeman's teammate Marcelo Zuna finished sixth in the voting, and 2020 AL Cy Young Award, or, sorry, NL Cy Young Award winner Trevor Bauer finished 10th. My thoughts on all the selections. Well, I predicted both the AL and NL Cy Young Award winner, but I was dead wrong on the MVP. I thought it was going to be Mookie Betts in the National League, and the American League, I thought DJ LeMay who was going to win it. Obviously, I was wrong. Uh, Freddie Freeman had a great season. I mean, he had a great postseason. Uh, Freddie Freeman is probably the best first baseman in the league. It's really hard to say. I mean, Jose Abreu had a nice year. Of course, a lot of people aren't liking the Jose Abreu idea, and a lot of people thought that um, Shane Bieber should have won it or DJ LeMahieu or even Jose Ramirez. In my opinion, I think Mike Trout should have been in the conversation, but he finished fifth, which is crazy because that's actually his worst finish in his career, despite uh, most people would love to even get in the top five. But I think uh, Jose Abreu, it's a little controversial, but I do agree with almost everything else. Uh, again, Freddie Freeman was a great player this year. His stats definitely proved it. Uh, the next question I have, um, should Mike Trout have been the conversation? I kind of already touched on this, but yes. I mean, he is the best player in baseball. Um, I think he should have been at least a nominee in the top three. I don't know why they put him in fifth. I mean, he had a great season. Yes, yeah, stats weren't all, but I mean, it was a short and 60-game season. Uh, Mike Trout, the best player in baseball, obviously should have been in the running. I would even voted for him just because he's the best player in baseball. But I definitely think he should have been in the conversation. Um, and last but not least, um, Trevor Bauer is now a free agent. Um, who do you think the best team would be to sign him to the Reds, keep him next year? Well, I would think so. But Trevor Bauer is going to demand a lot of money. So, again, it just really depends on what team wants to open their paychecks or wants to open up their check a checkbook. Um, but I would think the Reds would want to bring back their ace pitcher. I know he's got some uh, questionable antics, but Trevor Bauer is a very good pitcher. He pitches heat every game. I mean, he was great even in the postseason, despite the Reds not playing well. But I think the Reds got to bring him back. If not, I mean, it seems like the Yankees always try to swoop up and get the next big free agent. I could see uh, maybe the Angels, they need a pitcher. I know that these are crazy, uh, crazy teams, but – uh, maybe the Astros, um, if, if they really have much money left. Um, but I think, I feel like Cincinnati is going to bring him back next season. All right, let's get to some golf highlights. And day one of the Masters is in the book. A tradition like none other returned at Augusta National on Thursday. The Masters, the greatest golf tournament in the world, started on Thursday. Despite the odd start and no spectators, it was still great to watch. Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, and Justin Thomas are all the favorites to win this week at Augusta. 
but don't sleep on the five-time and current Masters champion, Tiger Woods. Let's get an update on how the first day went at Augusta. Day one of the Masters is complete, even though not every golfer finished round one because of the rain and many of them were not able to tee off for an hour and a half. The leader after day one is Paul Casey with seven under par. After that, Webb Simpson, Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas are all tied for second with five under par. Tied for fifth place is Hideki Matsuyama, Louis Ustazen, Leah Westwood, Tiger Woods, Matt Wolf, Adam Scott, and Dylan Fratelli. Some others to watch, Bryson DeChambeau, the favorite to get the green jacket, is 21st place with two under par. Ricky Fowler, John Rahm, Tony Finau, Dustin Johnson, and Justin Rose are all at three under par and tied for 13th place. Um, the first thing I really noticed today at the Masters is Tiger Woods looked pretty good. Woods, of course, last year won the championship. He hasn't played a lot of tournaments since then, um, but he still wants to catch Jack before he retires. He's got 15 majors. Jack's got 18. And here's a crazy stat I got from Mike Greenberg and Dan Patrick. When Jack Nicholas won his first golf or when his first, when his, when he won his first major or first Masters title, he won his sixth one 23 years later, and it, he was ranked 33rd in the world when he got his final Masters championship. Tiger Woods is currently ranked 33rd, the defending champion, and 23 years after winning his first Masters, and he's going for his sixth. Crazy stat I got from Mike Greenberg and Dan Patrick. I kind of killed that because I didn't say it quite right. But again, Tiger Woods trying to get that 16th major. I mean, or wouldn't that be amazing? Even though it's been a tough 2020 year, no fans of the Masters, but it would be crazy to see Tiger Woods get that green jacket one more time. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is solid, but could be better. I uh, didn't hit a lot of fairways, uh, not much at all. And he still found a way to get two under par. He didn't finish the day because, of course, the rain and because the daylight saving time and it's November. So they, so a lot of golfers are going to have to basically do double time on Friday. Um, so it could be a late night for a lot of those on Friday and even Saturday and even Sunday. So, but DeChambeau right now, the favorite, he's at 21st place, looking pretty decent. But because of his strength, that's been able to bail him out because, again, he hasn't hit much fairways at all. But thankfully, he's been putting well. He's been His short game has been solid. Uh, can Paul Casey continue the success he's going right now? Um, I think he can. I think he can remain contention. I don't know if he can lead the whole time, but he definitely looked uh, good today. I mean, seven under par, uh, shooting a 64, that's pretty solid. Uh, Paul Casey, I think he will definitely be in contention by the time Sunday rolls around. I don't know if he can win it because not many guys that lead after round one can win round four, especially at the Masters and how tough Augusta is. But I do believe Paul Casey will be in contention when Sunday arrives. Uh, last but not least, what golfer will get the green jacket for the 2020 Masters? Uh, that's such a tough question. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, of course, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy. I'm a huge Ricky Fowler fan. He played pretty well, three under par after uh, after 10 holes. Um, I'm hoping Jordan Spieth gets back to uh, his old self. Uh, Tony Finau is always seems like he's always in contention, but just can't quite get that. But I'm right now. I just got a feeling that the last two majors, the guy who was won it was under 30 and wins his first major title. And in my opinion, right now, Xander Shoffley seems to be that guy. He seems always he's always in contention, but like similar to Tony Finau, he can't quite 
get it. He was the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year back in 2017. He's under 30. He's looking for his first major Grand Slam, in my opinion. Xander Shoffley wins it, and I believe he wins it by at least one under par, by one stroke. Um, but I just I got a feeling about Xander Shoffley winning the Masters and taking or and getting his first green jacket of his career. Well, that's a wrap for this amazing episode. Thanks for listening to the Sports Down Podcast or the STP Pod for short. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and much more. We release new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. If you haven't subscribed yet, just hit that button on the right. Don't forget to like, comment, and rate. Also, if you wanted to check out the other videos, just click the button on the left.